Uh, we're going to be in Matthew uh, 23, verses 1 through 12 today. As you see, I'm really good at introductions, so we'll go to that awkward transition. All right, Matthew 23, verse 1. Then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, The teachers of the law and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat, so you must obey them and do everything they tell you. But do not do what they do, for they do not practice what they preach. They tie up heavy loads and put them on men's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them. Everything they do is done for men to see. They make their phylacteries wide and the tassels of their garments long. They love the place of honor at the banquets and the most important seats in the synagogues. They love to be greeted in the marketplace and to have men call them rabbi. But you are not to be called rabbi, for you have only one master, and you are all brothers. And do not call anyone on earth father, for you have one father, and he is in heaven. Nor are you called to be, to be called teacher, for you have one teacher, the Christ. The greatest among you will be your servant, for whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. Let's pray. Father, Lord God, we do not take your word lightly but we know it is sacred and it is a gift to us. So open up our hearts and our minds and our whole and our spirit, our whole spirit, Lord God, that your Holy Spirit would be in us today as your word will absolutely transform us. May your fruit be shown for it will not come back void. In Jesus' name, amen. So um, understand uh, chapter 22 uh, there's three entrapments and uh, the religious leaders that Jesus is talking about. <clears throat> and this is after Jesus comes into Jerusalem and everyone is saying, um, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. This is in that in between from Palm Sunday to the crucifixion of Christ. And they, they come in chapter 22 to entrap him. They're also trying to see which, which team are you on, Jesus. And he clearly lets them know he is above their teaching and he is not on their team for he is God. And now we'll see in chapter 23, Jesus is giving his judgment. Um, so this whole, and this is something, this is the reason why we are going through the gospel of Matthew. So Jesus is our brother. He is our God. He is our king. There's no one like Jesus. Yes, he is closer than a brother to us, but he is King Jesus. And so we need to just sit in his word and know who he is. Right in verses one through twelve, and then next week if we look at the seven woes. Pastor Michael, right, Jesus says some really difficult things. He will call them whitewashed tombs. That's not a compliment. Snakes, blind guides, sons of hell, broods of vipers, which is baby snakes, and seven times he calls them hypocrites. Does this fit in your description of Jesus? This good and loving Jesus, who's still good and loving, also says these things because they need to be said. Jesus is speaking truth, even though it's difficult to hear. He's also picking a fight, for he was sent to die for our sins. And the very ones that he is speaking to right now are going to be the ones that say, all right, now let's crucify him. And again, this is why we've been in Matthew for two years years. We need to know Jesus of the Bible and not just, well, this group or that, all of us. And when we continue, I hope, and again, it's taken, well, it, 
mid-July, we will be finished with, with this gospel. I hope you continue to read it and read it and read it. My wife and I are celebrating um, 20 years of marriage this year. Yeah. There's grace. There's grace. Right? Um, and I, sometimes, not just because everything has been wonderful and beautiful, though it has, I'm like, I feel like we just got married yesterday. Like, there's some mornings we're like, who are you? Do I even know you right now? Because relationships are deep and they're sacred. Well, you're in a relationship with the God of the universe. Take your time to know him more. Don't just simply read through it. Soak it up and soak it up again and again because God is so good. So Jesus, as, as he speaks to them, he tells them, you know, these religious leaders, they sit in Moses' seat. So listen to them. And this is a stone seat. It's, it's the authoritative um, place where someone would read the word of God. They also would sit in judgment over God's people. And so they have to listen to them. It's their court system. That's also where they read the word of God. But Jesus talks to them, and we're going to look at five points this morning, straight from scripture. And the first thing that he talks to them and rebukes them on is verse three. So he says, you must obey them and do everything they tell you to do, but do not do what they do for they do not practice what they preach. And so Jesus is talking about hypocrisy. Hypocrisy is a big deal, and it's something that we need to look at. This word hypocrisy means a play actor. It's someone that actually puts on a mask and pretends to be someone they're not. And so Jesus is insulting them and saying they, they say one thing, but then they do a whole other thing. And why should we listen to this? Why do we need to look at this? and look in the mirror as a church body. Well, as a pastor, I realized that I can struggle with some of the religion that they did then as well. And as Christians, we all can as a church body, right? As we look at this and realize hypocrisy is a disease that can affect us all. In fact, statistics show that um, the number one reason millennials and that age group that they're leaving the church, and I would say it's much more than the millennials, but the number one reason for them is, they say, because hypocrisy in the church. They say, man, these people, they say one thing and they, they do another. They talk about kindness, but they're not very kind. They, they, they talk about forgiveness, but they don't walk in forgiveness. And we can all, we've all experienced that, right? In fact, looked at this quote. It won't be on the screen. We'll just read it. But Abraham Lincoln said, uh, often had this quote about hypocrisy or this story of this analogy. He said, the man who murdered his parents and then pleaded for mercy on the grounds he was an orphan, right? That's hypocrisy. And in, and it's, and it's true. And, and when, if you've dealt with it or experienced yourself, it, it does taint things and it means make, can make you very jaded. Remember that Jesus taught about the inside of the cup. Let your yes be your yes and your no be no. Say, say one thing and do another. It causes hypocrisy on all sorts of levels. You would call someone maybe fake, trying to look a certain way. That's why forgiveness is such a beautiful thing in the church. It's one thing to preach about it. It's a whole other thing to actually live it out. And God has called us in a community of believers to be as one, his body, that's his plan. You will be my hands, you will be my feet, and you're going to have to get along. So it's one thing to talk about forgiveness. It's a whole other thing to receive and give it, right? 
And it, when we don't, because it's so powerful, we become hypocrites. And we need to be careful even how we look at hypocrisy. It's a, it's a big deal, but we've got to look in the mirror too, right? Individually and corporately. Uh, Billy Sunday, he is a, um, he's a pastor who's since uh, been with the Lord, and, and he said this. He said, hypocrites in the church, yes, and in the lodge and, and at the home. Don't hunt through the church for a hypocrite. Go home and look in the mirror. Hypocrite, yes. See that you make the number one less. Right? So, yeah, there is hypocrisy in people, but it, isn't it so hypocritical to say, well, they're a hypocrite, but I never am. Right? It's, 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 it's audacious, but it's what we do. And yes, there are hypocrites in churches, because churches are full of people that need God's grace, his correction, and his transformation. So let's not just pile it on, but let's also not ignore it. This morning, we look at this passage and we go, maybe not just amen, but we say, oh, ouch, right? And there's, you got your amens, you're like, yeah, and then it steps on our toes and we go, oh, ouch, maybe I'm dealing with that as well. The question is, when we're looking at hypocrisy, what Jesus is challenging them, he also challenges us. Are we going to be a stepping stone for people to see the work of God by being his hands and his feet or a stumbling block? The world is watching whether you like it or not. We talk about discipleship. Discipleship is an important thing. You're discipling people whether you know it or not because they're watching you. When I first came to Christ as a young believer, yes, I had people that were more formally walking with me. And I learned some from them, but I learned a whole lot from just the people that I was watching. And I learned good things, and I learned bad things. They're watching. Let's be a stepping stone, not a stumbling block. And so 1 Peter 2.1 says this, Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. So today, we, as we look at this passage and we're learning from Jesus, we say, Lord, you know what? We probably have some hypocrisy in here. There's some times that we, we know what the word of God says, whether it be forgiveness, whether it be walking in love, walking in truth and righteousness, being kind to one another, and the list goes on and on, that we have to understand sometimes we don't do those things, and scripture would say, get rid of it. Let it go. And it's so easy to look in someone else's house and throw stones and not look in the mirror and go, yeah, Lord God, we're, we're going to follow you in this. The second thing we want to look at is verse 4. Jesus talks about these heavy loads. He says, they tie up heavy loads and they put them on men's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them. This is an oh, ouch. Right? Hypocrisy, that's, yeah. Lord, may we take off the mask. May we, may we not hide who we are. May we not be proud of when, when, when we fall short and we say one thing and we do another. Like, the gospel changes you. You don't have to change for the gospel. The gospel changes you. You're just in the presence of God, and it changes you, right? Well, one of the things we need to be challenged on here in verse 4 is something that the church struggles. If this understanding of God's righteousness, and they did. So they, they had... They had the long tassels, right? And they had these things to always, and God is calling, man, you love the best seats. You're showing everybody you got the big Bible, but you do one thing and do another. And the other thing he's telling them here in verse four is, man, they tie up heavy loads. 
And they put them on people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them. And sometimes that is the church in America. We preach and we preach and we preach. I'm a pastor. I preach. We talk about sin because it's a big deal. But we sometimes doing exactly what Jesus warned us not to do. See, we are sinners who became saints. Not what we have done, but what Jesus did. The Apostle Paul called terrible sinners in Corinthians saints. Christians that were doing stuff that was not good. He corrects them, but he's like, man, you're saints. Not because of what they have done, because what Jesus did on the cross. He forgave them. He saved them. Titus 3, 4, and 5 explains it so well. But when the kindness and love of God, our Savior, appear, he saved us. Not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit. That's why we always say there's nothing more miraculous than the gospel of Jesus Christ. You spend some time with God. Because now you can, because Jesus died on the cross so you can come close to the Father. You will be different. You will be changed. You will be transformed. And sometimes we're the sin chasers and we're the sin police. We don't ignore sin. We can't. I think when a church doesn't talk about sin, they're not really going through the Bible. <laughs> and they're not dealing with the reality of what we deal with in this world. We don't ignore sin, but we, but we also don't help sin or the devil. See, John 10.10 10 says the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He steals from you, and then he kills you. And scripture right there is talking about the flesh, but then he destroys you. And it's talking about your soul. He is on a mission. And what Jesus is saying here in, in verse 4 is you're helping, the, you're helping the devil. You're helping the enemy. When we either ignore sin or we put these heavy loads on people without wanting to help them. It's like going to the doctor and he's mad because you're sick rather than giving you a solution. And we should learn from this. Years ago in planning the church, one of our, one of our young ladies became pregnant without a husband. And... Some of the ladies are getting together like, oh, let's do a baby shower for her. But then some of the ladies were like, no, she needs to know what she did was wrong. And it's always easy if people say things like that that you disagree with, if they're just not good people. They love Jesus. But I believe they were also confused on how to walk in righteousness, but also in love. And so some of us didn't listen to them, and we said, no, no, we're still going to, we know this isn't right. We know she should have had this baby with a husband, but she didn't. So we're going to celebrate her, and we're going to celebrate this child, and we're going to have a baby shower with her, even though it's messy. See, sometimes we just get confused, and when people are down, maybe you've been there. You make a bad choice, you're immature, whatever it is, I've been there. Been there often. And there's a difference when someone gives me truth with a solution. And someone says, you know what? I'm just, you're down and I'm going to kick you while you're there. I'm going to kick you while you're there. Sometimes we do that and Jesus has something to say about that. 
Romans 2, 1 through 4 says this. You therefore have no excuse, you who pass judgment on someone else. For at whatever point you judge the other, you are condemning yourself. Because you who pass judgment do the same things. Now we know that God's judgment against those who do such things is based on truth. So when you, a mere man, pass judgment on them and yet do the same things, do you think you will escape God's judgment? It's talking about the hypocrisy there. Verse 4. Or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, his tolerance, and his patience, not realizing that God's kindness leads you towards repentance? And see, that is one of the beautiful statements and truth that every believer needs to see. If you want to break one of the cycles of just habitual sin in your life, you'll start to know the love of God. Fear and judgment, you will stop for a while. You go, well, that was bad. I got disciplined. But you'll, you'll forget it, and then you'll go back to the junk. But when you start to see the love of God is better than the lie of the enemy, and freedom is better than chains, you will be transformed. And that's when the Bible is talking about the renewing of your mind. That's what it's talking about. Satan can't, when, the, when you know the goodness of God, you will treat people differently, and you will also receive people differently. And his kindness is truly what leads us to repentance. We need to be the light for we carry the gospel and the solution, which is the word of God and the presence of God. And, and look at this, too. God doesn't just show us what is wrong. He shows us what is right. There's always debates throughout the ages. What is right? What is wrong? And always there'll be someone that comes in a new age and say, okay, we, we found the, the, the golden ticket and there's this thing and it's, it's, this is good. Bible was wrong. And one of the things you always say, well, where does, where does God ever show that that's good? Whenever God shows us, there's a place to don't do this. Don't murder. Don't steal. Don't kill. Don't destroy. He shows us the right way as well. So as you're just looking through scripture, this is a side note. And people are telling you what's right and wrong. Look, look to the Bible, not only what you shouldn't do. Look to the Bible and the word of God, what you should do. And may that be our anthem. Yes, we give warnings about, no, nah, this, this, these are really, these are warnings. And they're warnings for a reason, because God loves us. But also let's focus on all the things he's called us to do. There's so much truth. Be the light and the solution. Point three in verse five through seven. tells them everything they do is for men to see. They make their phylacteries wide and the tassels of their garments long. They love the place of honor at banquets and the most important seats in the synagogues. They love to be greeted in the marketplace and to have men call them rabbi. This point th three would be, look at me. It's called meism. And you know, yes, hypocrisy is a big deal in the church. Heavy loads is a big deal in the church. But I would say for us as Westerners, this is probably one of the biggest things right here. This is our society. Look at me. From Instagram to Facebook to whatever. And I'm not putting you down because you're into that. I'm not into that because I don't like taking pictures. Right? My kids were literally on Friday night as a ballgame and they were laughing at me as I was taking a selfie to send to someone. They're like, Dad, you look so awkward because you don't know what you're doing. Sorry, I missed that class of picture taking of myself. Sorry. It's meism. 
and we struggle with it. And they struggle with it. These phylacteries that, that Jesus is talking about in these tassels, these phylacteries are these, uh, these, these boxes. And they have scripture in them. And, and, and they wanted them to be big so everybody could see them. The tassels was to remind them of the Ten Commandments. And they wanted everyone to know that they knew the Ten Commandments and that they had a big Bible. Right? Nothing wrong with having a big Bible. Some of us have some huge Bibles. And God bless you. You're strong. That is good. Right? We, we, we love the Bible. We don't worship the Bible. And I don't mean to offend anyone. I believe the word of God is perfect and it is true and it is a blessing and it is a gift. I don't worship it. I worship the one who wrote it. We got to know the difference. They struggled with it. They struggled with it. Meism. David Wilkerson said this. At its heart, legalism, it is a desire to appear holy. It's trying to be justified before men and not God. See, we love the glory. We do. We all do. Who gets the credit? And we will even start to fight against God, let alone each other. We, yes. Right? You will have no other gods before him. You will have no idols. Right? And we will even, if you want to go back to the garden, you want to go back to just the, the seeds of sin, we don't like God's glory for God. We will steal that too. Idol worship is an effective attack from the enemy. And Satan doesn't have to do new tricks. He doesn't have to. He doesn't have new tricks. He doesn't have to. God, because we love attention. Your kids, who do they look like? Especially when they're good and they're doing something awesome. Like, oh, you got that from me. That's awesome. Do something bad. They're like, I got that from you. Someone gives you their story. They tell you the story. And somehow it becomes your story. You can relate, right? Like everything is about you. <laughs> life is good or bad based on you and not others. If you're happy, then life is good. If you're sad, then all life is bad. And I'm not talking about dependency here. It's just the view in, in which we see things. What can I give to this relationship? Or what we really ask is what can I get from it? If you want to ask like one of the problems in like church that becomes a common theme because it's our society. What can I get rather than what can I give? Not only our relationships, also our church relationships. The enemy loves when you think of yourself out of a healthy biblical parameter, not in the parameters God's given us. In a lot of pain, some of us have pain. I've been there. All you can do is think of you, and it's dangerous. Sometimes in, your, in your, your good times, all you can think about is how great you are. In your bad times, all you can think of how bad it is that you have. And no, an enemy isolates in this lie of meism. All meism isn't like the guy in Hollywood. Sometimes meism is found in great pain, and all you can think about is yourself. And the enemy starts to lie to you. No one has it this bad. No one's been hurt this way. Or the other, I'm the best. I deserve this. See this in the church, don't they see my calling or greatness? This meism is a big deal, and, and, and God is talking to them about it, and they struggled with it. Legalism and idols. Legalism. Doing the right thing, but with the wrong heart. The letter of the law without the heart of the law is absolutely dangerous. So God is saying, man, we can do all the right things. Again, he talked about the cleaning of the outside of the cup and how dangerous that is. Like, the outside of the cup is important, but... 
more important is the inside. Out of an overflow, we changed. We sit in here and get in a room and say, do all the things that the Bible tells us to do and not do, and your heart isn't changed. That's legalism, and it'll always lead to death. You cannot change your behavior if your heart is not changed. That's why his goodness and his kindness that leads us to repentance, he's changed our heart. And I hope as a believer that in, in parts of your journey, you have experienced it. And you have tasted the goodness of God in that area where you're like, and there was one point in my life I was fooled and I took the scraps, the bologna sandwich. Talk about food, yes I will. Right? And I could have had what the Lord had at that banquet. My heart didn't know the difference and then God changed my heart and then the enemy couldn't fool me anymore. Legal, legalism and idols. Like, it, like if you look at idols, it looks good, but it's not. Satan comes as an angel of the light. He gets really close to godly things. And then he can make an idol out of it, especially if it looks more holy. The church can be an idol. I love the church. The church is not this building. It's not me and Michael. It is God's people coming together to give God glory, to worship him. There's nothing like worshiping with the saints, to being in one accord. And it's crazy because it is a gift from God, right? Loneliness. I'm going to struggle with loneliness. The church is, is, is a fix of that. I thank God for the godly friends and family. I mean, thick as family is my brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. But they are not my God and my king. You make the church above God and it will mess you up every time. Sex. Hope there's no kids in here. Sex is a gift from God. Read Song of Solomon. It truly is a gift from God. And the enemy says, these gifts, that God's given them. I'm going to camp out right there and I'm going to pervert it. One of the things most of them are marriages that they'll, they'll fight about is sex. There's a reason. It is a gift from God, but you are not to worship it. Family, right? The church, we struggle with that. Family. Family is good. I love my family. They are not my God. They are not my king. Money. Money is a gift from God. It's not our king. Food. We all know I like food. It's one of the reasons why fasting is so important. You tell this flesh that it doesn't own you. By the power and the word of God, this flesh does not own you. Food is good. <laughs> but in moderation. And it doesn't own you. Leaders. Leaders are good. They're a gift from God. Don't idolize them. It's one of the reasons why we have two pastors. And we'll probably always have at least two pastors. Why? Because it makes it, at least it's one step harder for people to idolize. Right? Leaders are a gift from God. Pray for us. Right? And not just the ones at Emmaus, but all over in Springfield. Right? This is a, this is a godly calling. It's also a hard calling. And the last thing that any pastor needs or house church leader or youth pastor or whatever is you to make them. Don't tear them down, but don't build them up so much they become an idol. And when we sit with Jesus, we begin to see the healthy biblical perspective. Amen? It's 10.05.
point four. There's only one other one after that. Point four, there is one king. Verses eight through 10. But you are not to be called rabbi, for you have only one master, and you are all brothers. And do not call anyone on earth father, for you have one father, and he is in heaven. Nor are you to be called teacher, for you have one teacher, the Christ. As we look at this, does this mean that you can't call someone teacher, father, or pastor? No. But this is putting things in the right perspective. And again, they were abusing these titles. As we fight for the glory, credit, and attention, we love to destroy the family of God. Divisions, titles, and distractions. And we will not understand someone's title, someone's authority, our relationship with them if we don't know that there's one king. That's another reason why we have two pastors, and it doesn't fix everything. But we want to be reminded this is God's church, not our church. This isn't Michael's church. This isn't Ron's church. This isn't your church. This is God's. And guess what? He cares about the one down the street, too. Right? We must understand that. I want to talk a little bit about in this, um, just, a, just a small part, just heretic hunting. Just like with sin, we can't ignore false teachings or heresy. Heresy is an on-purpose teaching of you are trying to diminish who Jesus is. You're, you're changing who he is biblically. And we don't want to ignore it. It's like sin. We don't, if we love people, we don't want to ignore it. But our hearts and our motives must be tested before confrontation. And we must also understand the difference between heresy, false teachings, compared to secondary theology or most denominational differences. Or different parts of the body or misunderstandings or immaturity. Understand this. Heresy or a false teaching is not the same as an error in theology. Remember, disciples ask questions. And if every question is labeled as heresy, then we have a problem. Right? And it, I am, and this is, I've been a pastor for about 24, 25 years now, and I'm seeing things, I'm sure some of you guys are as well, that people weren't fighting about, they were fighting about 20 years ago, and they're, they're fighting, a new generation has picked old tricks up. And yes, we need to rebuke and correct. False, false teachings matter. So we come up here and we say to you, hey, be careful. We're not saying that false teachings don't matter. We're not saying that those are not heretics. But we are saying it's rather convenient that everyone else is and not the people that you are. Right? It's just rather convenient. And I don't know, just look in the mirror. My flesh is weak. I can be a real jerk. <laughs> right? Heretic. Right? We just have to be careful. Just have to be careful. If not, and the reason why is because we start to partner up with the enemy. Galatians 1.9 says this. As we've already said, so now I say again. If anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, let him be eternally condemned. It, when, when there's another gospel preached in the church, we, we need to care. The problem is what I'm seeing is people are <laughs> fighting about things that, that aren't the gospel. They're fighting about just ticky-tacky stuff, and they're wanting permission to just not love their brother in Christ. And my biggest fear is because I know young believers will ask questions, but if we let this heretic hunting continue in the way that it's happening, because it's so easy to just do a podcast, it's so easy to do a YouTube thing, it's, it's really cowardly, but it's real easy. We're going to, disciples, will just, they'll just put the mask on, and they won't ask questions. Does that make sense? I remember, I'll just give a little story. 
Um, when I was a youth pastor, and uh, youth pastors are funny sometimes, right? Um, and uh, they do funny things and, and break stuff, and I broke lots of things, and but the kids had fun. And um, we were at a retreat, and it was, we were like, hey, let's do communion. And we didn't bring any com- communion elements. So me and my best buddy were like, but we do have Mountain Dew and Doritos. So we are going to take communion with Mountain Dew and Doritos. And I get back, some of you guys are laughing, some of you are like, what? Yep, I did it. I get back and I tell the pastor, I'm like, yeah, communion, Doritos and Mountain Dew. And he's like, oh no. <laughs> he's like, I love your heart, because I know your heart. You just wanted them to experience Jesus, but you might have cared enough to know that some symbolism was pretty important. Now, Doritos and Mountain Dew are delicious, and it was awesome. But there needed to be a correction. But thank God he didn't like, guess what? You're done. Ron, I'm going to do a podcast about you. <laughs> I'm going to put a YouTube channel. Right? We, we've, we've got to know the difference. We just do, or we're just, we're just tearing people down, not building them up. Sometimes we look at passages like this, and we interpret in a way that promotes our bad behavior. And I've heard people, I've had friends say things like this, as I'm like, hey, man, just, do you really, have you really talked to that pastor? Have you really talked to that theologian? Have you really talked to that church? Have you ever even went? Right? I'll, I will hear people say stuff like, oh, if you speak in tongues, then that was by a demon. I'm like, do you even know what verse that could possibly come from that's making you think that? Like, or this church, they're real liturgical. They have no Holy, Holy Spirit. I'm like, can you show me that passage? Or maybe they're just being, maybe they're even saying the right thing, but they're just, it just, it seems to miss the love of God. And they'll sell things, say, they'll say things like, well, I'm just, I'm being like, just, I'm just being like Jesus in the temple. Or I'm just talking to the religious leaders like Jesus did or the apostle Paul did. And I would, and I would just say a few things of that as we look in the mirror, right? Number one, you are not God. <laughs> just remember that, right? And the more you know God, you realize you're not him, okay? Number two. Are you ready to die on the cross for all humanity? Again, Jesus, <laughs> they went from Hosanna to crucify him, and he is picking a fight because he loves them. Number three, are you going to weep for them like Jesus does? Because in a couple weeks, we'll look at Jesus weeping over Jerusalem and at the cross where he says, forgive them, Father, for they do not know what they're doing. See, Jesus was not soft on sin whatsoever. But he understood that he didn't come to condemn the world, but to save them. And he knew the difference. Does he say the truth here in the next two weeks? Some heart? Yes! He's going to die for these people. And if we don't have the same love for those in the church and outside of the church, this supernatural Holy Spirit love, then we will walk like the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And we will just put heaps of damage on people rather than letting them see set, be set free. I'm convinced. I have some friends that are happy pe- that people are going to hell. They almost get excited when they talk about it, and it makes me sad every time. And this happens in two ways. Sometimes people just ignore sin. They're like, oh, and they teach sin. That's not a good thing. Or they see the correction, but they're just almost giddy about it. And when we look in the mirror today and say, sometimes I struggle with that too. Correction is important, but correction needs to build up, not destroy. 
The last point, and then we'll finish up. Verse 11 and 12. The greatest among you will be your servant. For whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. The fifth point is humility. Kind of wraps it up in a really good bow when you're talking about correction, when you're talking about hypocrisy, when you're talking about meism, when you're talking about there is one king, it does walk in humility. So we won't come to Jesus if our hearts aren't changed. It's, when we repent, it's because we realize that we've like, done something wrong. We've tasted death and we said, I don't want it anymore. There's a humility that comes over our hearts. And humility is a lost virtue in our society. Let it not be a lost virtue in church. The greatest among you will be your servant. And whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. So the world says no one gets a trophy, yet they lie. That is all we care about. That's all we care about. And I'll say this, there's nothing wrong with celebrating someone's greatness and getting a trophy. To ignore it is actually really dangerous. It's false humility. That's, 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 really, that's right there with pride. But do we really admire humility? And when I, when, I, when I get my children up in the morning, yes, I'm saying, hey, you better listen to your teacher. Good, good grades. They're all into sports. I'm like, hey, let's do our best out there. But do I also emphasize, but walk in humility. Walk in kindness. You know, when I, when I pray for their future spouse, if, if they are to get married one day, that's one of the things I pray for. May their spouse love Jesus. May their spouse be kind. And I'm hoping their spouse's parents are praying those things. Does that make sense? Much of our offense is based on our lack of humility. How we see ourselves and others matters. They deserve this. They don't deserve this. I'm above this. I'm above that. The scripture has something to say about it as we close. Philippians 2.3. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Nothing. But in humility, consider others better than yourselves. Now, I want to leave this up here as we close. This is a powerful passage that does not fit into our society. Do nothing out of selfish ambition. We're Americans. We do everything out of selfish ambition. Right? It's what every commercial is about you being on top. Everything. And they know that we'll, like, like that we'll buy it. Right? Talk to anyone in the marketing. They're like, yep, yep. Like, look at our society. Everything is based on this. And then this will actually make people mad. But in humility, consider others better than yourselves. And you won't do this if you don't know the identity of who Jesus is and who you are as his child. Right? Humility is something that we don't get. Consider other better. I'm not talking about being a doormat. That's not what scripture is talking about. And because that happens and people abuse that, we don't understand humility when the word of God commands us to walk in it. As the worship team comes up, we're going we're gonna to close and just have some time with the Lord as we look at this. These are five points. Five warnings, five corrections, and they're heavy, but they're really beautiful as the Holy Spirit moves. The Lord is telling us, take off the masks. Don't walk in hypocrisy. The Lord is telling us, don't put heavy loads on people. Help them through it. 
You have a brother in sin. Don't ignore it, but don't help the enemy destroy them. Be careful with meism and everything being about you. And as the Lord continues to build this church and work in our lives, we have one real teacher. We have one king. We have one real leader, and it's Jesus. And as we receive these four truths, would we walk in his humility? For he set the example. The first will be last. The last will be first. Three questions. Number one, do you need to practice what the Bible teaches? And only you can know that. Let the Holy Spirit speak to you. Do you need to practice it? You know, it's some, some like, I don't know what the Bible says. <laughs> but you probably need to read it. And read it more. Then marinate in it. Do you need to practice what the Bible teaches? There are times when I'll be too hard on someone, or maybe I don't speak up, and God says, are you doing what I've called you to do? Like, yeah, yeah, Lord, I need to. Second question, do you have a mask? And that can be a hypocrisy mask. That can also be a, and I will annoy people with this question sometimes, how are you doing? And when they say just fine, I'm actually thankful for that. Or like, yeah, good. I'm like, well, just fine. What's, are, you, are you okay? No, it's great. I'm never going to say I'm just fine again. Do you have a mask on? And I, I would say this. Church is the one place you can take off the mask. It should be. That's why this passage is so important. If I am, every time I see someone on the news going to jail for something that they did, I'm like, man. And, I, it's, and you find out that they were a Christian and they went to church. And I'm like, man, I wish they would have known they could have taken off the mask. I wish they would have known they could have got help. Religion will always tell people, you look better than what you are. You fake it till you make it, which says God's glory doesn't change you. And that's a lie. Do you have a mask on? And so I promise some of us here in this room, we do. A mask of religion a mask of okay when it's not. Take off the mask and let's see what the Lord does. And the last question is for all of us, are you walking in truth and humility? And I don't know about you, but every day I need an extra dose of both of those. Amen? All right, let us stand and let's worship the Lord. Father, Lord God, move among your people. Do what only you can do. Father, would this church body continue to walk in love, correction, and the word and spirit of God? Would we not ignore sin, Lord God? But would we not also ignore opportunities to love and cherish our brother and sister in need? Would we know the difference between someone walking away and someone who just says, I need some help? Would we not help the enemy in destroying people, stealing from them, killing and destroying them? Holy Spirit, move among your people so that we can have freedom from walking in hypocrisy, self-righteousness, or self-judgment. And we see people the way you do. And we'll be on the mission not to condemn the world, but to see the world come to Christ. Freedom and wholeness and celebration. Father, you are good and we worship you. Do your work in your people. In Jesus' name.